What's good, y'all? I know some of you are out there feeling down and alone and feel like you need a change in your friendships, your relationships, and just in life in general. Well, I want you to look no further than The Rundown with Terrell Garnett, where we will help you create your own story, your journey to freedom. This is The Rundown with Terrell Garnett. Get into it, y'all. y'all with another podcast i have my next guest on and again you guys already know the drill i don't introduce anybody i let them tell their own story so here's my guest hi um i'm fernando e franco senior and uh, i'm a professional life coach uh, lead pastor author and uh motivational speaker travel the five continents uh speaking uh messages of hope to all backgrounds and all cultures and it's a pleasure to be here with you Terrell thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast I appreciate it I know that um when I had the first structure of my podcast I remember um you messaging me telling me you listened to it and I was like oh my god did I cuss on the podcast (laughs) I was telling Jerry I was like Pastor Bernie listen to it and I was like I don't know what I said like like um I need to draw it back a little bit um because and it just made me think I was like I don't know who's listening to this like I can't be so you know um but um I do appreciate you listening I'll tell you this uh, Terrell is uh you know I don't only have uh Christian friends okay uh, I'm a life coach I'm a life coach also so I have uh I have all backgrounds and so here's what I tell uh some of my clients is like hey listen uh when you're in my field you're in my field and I totally uh, appreciate the respect that people give me when they're in the church or they're in in uh the Christian environment but when I'm in their field um, I'm in their field. And if that's what they do, that's their field. And so I respect their field just as much as they respect mine. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, it just made me think I'm like, oh, Dane, like, I don't know who's listening to this. I, I want to put on the right image for whoever. <laughs> um, so it just made me think, but um, just to leeway into my first question, um, I ask this to all of my uh, guests that come on the podcast, but with everything that 2020 was with the social injustice, as well as uh, the presidency and COVID, how has that shaped you or had you changed anything in regards to the way that you live your life? Well, it brought a reality check that nobody really is promised tomorrow. Uh, I saw, I mean, there's so many people that are dying, right? And uh, I, I remember seeing on the news about three months ago, it says one of the world's strongest men dies from COVID. You know, it was in reference to a bodybuilder. One of the world's strongest men dies of COVID-19. And so it's a reality check that, you know what, nobody is exempt. You can be the healthiest or you can be the most, the person with the greatest sickness. And uh, this virus just has, it's not a respecter of persons. Um, I'm a pastor as well. So one of the most craziest things that happened last week was we have a, a minister's wife in our church. Her mother died of COVID. And so last week I find myself on a uh, Wednesday morning doing the funeral service for her mother. And as we're doing the service for her mom, she gets a phone call 
at the funeral home that her father dies at home. The very, at the very same moment that we are doing the funeral service for her mother. And so this is vicious. So how has it changed me? Well, it brought light that uh, nobody really is promised tomorrow and appreciate who you have in your life today. Well, that's a really sad story. I haven't heard anything like, like that yet. That's really uh, traumatic. To... I'm, leaving, I'm leaving on Thursday again to Santa Maria now to do the funeral services for her father. So yeah, COVID has just been a crazy thing. And I feel like uh, someone told me the other day that, um, is it a, a flex to say that you've never gotten COVID? In a sense, basically saying like, is it a, a good thing to say? Like, you know, is it like something that like, oh, dang, like I'm cool now because I've never gotten COVID. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe because they say that at least one person in every household will have gotten it at least, you know. Um, so yeah. it's so sad. So before I continue and ask you some more questions, I'm going to play this song. Um, it's by Rudy Current. It's called I Belong Here. And it's uh, one of my favorites right now, as well as it is the number one gospel song in the world. There is a place for me. There is a place for me. There is a place for me. In the body of Christ Yes, there is a place for me There is a place for me There is a place for me In the body of Christ And I belong Again, that song is by Rudy Currents. It's called I Belong Here. You can actually get that song on my playlist that is out now. It's called Terrell Garnett Presents WAP Worship and Praise, um, Volume 1. But um, with that song, I, I want to ask the question, like, what do you tell people that feel that they there's no, like, belonging, whether it be in the church or just in, in life in general? Like, for me, I've been into certain situations, whether it be church. Um, well, speaking of my previous, one of my previous churches where I didn't feel like I liked the church. I thought the church was great, but I just couldn't find the connection. Um, so what, what would you tell people in regards to feeling like they don't belong? Well, first, I would say I'm sorry on behalf of all the other churches, because no church should make anybody feel that way. Whether they made you feel that way, and I'm not talking to you directly, uh, Terrell, yeah. but whether they made you feel that way, or perhaps you just felt that way yourself. However, if somebody felt that way themselves, then more than likely there's possibly some kind of vibe that was going on that made the individual feel that way. So I'll be the first to say I'm sorry on behalf of all the other churches and pastors and leaders. Here's how I look at it. No person should ever feel that they don't belong because the last time i read john chapter 3 verse 16 it says for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son he didn't die for a certain group of people he didn't die for those who have it all together and he didn't die 
for the purest of them all. He died for the sinner. He did, as a matter of fact, what does the Bible say? The Bible says he didn't come for those who have it all together. He came for those who are in need of a physician. So when a church makes somebody feel horrible because they're an outcast, the church has lost the mission of what the gospel is really about. That makes sense. It makes sense. Um, yeah, for me, it wasn't necessarily the, I just couldn't find the, I feel like some people go to church um, for a number of reasons. And for me at that particular space, this is like, 2012 so this is a long time ago <laughs> um, 2012 2013 um thought the church was amazing but I just couldn't find when I was driving to LA I had just lost my job I was driving to LA um and and it's funny because everybody would be like so you drive all the way to LA for Jesus <laughs> like you know he's in your backyard and I'm like I know that but I just it was like the music like the atmosphere was really great but I just couldn't find my connection of people to go like you know to to bring me in I guess you could say um and I was able to drive out there without a job twice a week for six months before it started to affect me financially and I just couldn't do it no more um but I felt that I I I needed to go to that church I had got invited because my previous church before that one it was just a whole bad situation um, not downing the church or the people in the church but it was just a bad yeah. situation and um I was like so against it so when someone asked invited me to go I'm just like okay I'll go you know like I don't have anything against going to church and then I just was like blown away about how it was but then I just didn't still didn't feel the the connection the the, the family um and plus everybody lived so far from me so it was just I just didn't feel the the belonging as you could as you would yeah you know i mean sometimes a person don't feel belonging for two reasons one because uh, they're given a cold shoulder and secondly it's just not their fit you know there's all innocence there and it sounds like from your experience it was all out of innocence it's like this it's like in anything you choose to belong to just say a gym a college um, a certain group of people, uh, uh, a relationship, uh, there got to be that perfect fit. And it's the same way with churches. The church that you choose, it has to be the perfect fit for you. Just because um, maybe you don't feel like you belong at the church, it doesn't mean that something's wrong with the church. It just means it wasn't the perfect fit for you. As a matter of fact, when, like when we talk about marriage, right, and it says, um, uh, you know, back in the beginning, it says that, uh, uh, you know, that, um, the spouse is a suitable helper for the husband, right? So that word suitable actually is translated to the word tailor fit. And so a church has to be tailor fit for you too, if you're going to establish like a long life relationship with that church. And so it's okay to go from one church to the next, to the next, to the next, the same way you will go to 24 hour fitness bellies <laughs> and et cetera. You, you find that right yeah. fit where you say, I found my place. And so it's okay. I, you, you shouldn't actually get crazy and choose the first church to go to. You, you should really, you should really choose carefully what church you're going to belong to for the rest of your life. That makes a lot of sense. I have another question. I feel that sometimes some of us, um, I don't know if I've ever felt this way, but um, some of us feel guilty for certain things that we do. But even when we, we go repent or we do whatever we get, even if it's nothing bad, like how do you find joy 
in God. Yeah, well, you know, guilty is a very ugly emotion to experience. Uh, there's nothing good you're going to find in guilt. Um, I think we have to maybe, we have to maybe uh, know the difference between guilt and conviction. You know, guilt is, uh, that's something that they use in the court of law. You know, your, you know, your, your sentence for that, you know, Jesus died. So that way you don't have to be sentenced. You know, he died so you can go to heaven and people forget that our conscious struggles with that word guilt. Conviction is good because conviction just helps you to change and become better. Guilt puts you down and puts you in a place of depression because, you know, you probably are never going to change in a certain area. And we have to come to the realization that in some things in our life, we're never going to change. But we have to remember that Jesus still accepts us the way we are. He didn't die for a perfect lamb. He was the perfect lamb that became the sacrifice for our imperfections. As a matter of fact, like the best way I can answer that question is the verse that's found in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. He, it, it, you know, for some people that may not make sense because Bible is hard to understand sometimes. So basically what this is saying we are saved not by what we do. We are saved by what he did. And so it is grace that saves us, not our works. You can be the most perfect human being on planet Earth, and you're still, <laughs> you still need Jesus in your life. <laughs> you know, so I say this. The best way I can answer that is another verse. It says, therefore, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If Jesus in your heart is in your heart, you should not be struggling with guilt. You're wasting your time if you're entertaining the emotion of guilt. That makes sense. I feel like people needed to hear that. So I want to uh, talk in regards to you've written two books, yeah, which is amazing. One of them entitled To Be Continued and the other one to be uh, is entitled Discontinued. Um, tell me a little bit about, about those and what brought you to actually uh, writing those and what, what they meant for, to you. Well, people may be surprised what I'm about to say right now. When I wrote my first book, Discontinued, I titled it Discontinued because it was an event that took place in my life where I was, the subtitle of Discontinued is Dissed by Man, Continued with God. I went through a season in my life where I was betrayed really, really bad. I was part of an organization for 32 years and uh, I was uh, discontinued from that organization because of a, of allegations. And I'm going to say false accusations. And the reason why I say false accusations, because what I was being accused of was uh, fraud and embezzlement up to millions of dollars. So this organization ordered, an audit on me. They did an investigation for six weeks on me and my church. And after the six weeks of investigation, the audit came back. It was done by an outside CPA, which means that organization did, didn't do the audit themselves. They hired an outside CPA to investigate, investigate my uh, history. At the end of six weeks, the audit came back and it was clean. 
there was nothing that was found in regards to the accusations that were coming towards my way. However, the organization still decided to issue me a letter of discontinuance. When you're involved 32 years in an organization and you were at the top level of the corporate leadership, I'm talking about flying around on private jets with the founder of the organization, staying at his house, staying in hotel rooms with him, uh, speaking at the same venues he was, being a keynote speaker at the major conferences where 15 to 20,000 people were in attendance. And we're talking about 32 years of relationship. When I was issued this letter of discontinuance, it broke my heart. I wasn't used to being rejected by men of God. My father abandoned me when I was adolescent. My spiritual father resigned and left our church when I was 28 years old. And so the people that I trusted and looked up to the most served me with abandonment. Now, I'm not blaming them. They had to do what they had to do for their own well-being. But I was the one who suffered the other side of the emotions of their decisions. And rightfully so. Now, as a grown man, I look and say, People have to do what they have to do. And I actually applaud them because they looked out for their own health before trying to save everybody else. However, I didn't know that back then. So I looked at it as betrayal. And now when this happened to me three years ago by another spiritual father, uh, I was heartbroken. I was crushed. I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. I lost tons of friends. I lost hundreds of friends. And as a pastor, I begin to struggle with suicide. I begin to struggle with aggressive depression and anxiety. And I had to check myself into seeing psychologists, psychiatrists. Um, I had to see therapists and I had to go on a, uh, a sabbatical. It affected my marriage. It affected my ministry, it affected my spiritual health. It, effect, it affected my physical health. And I struggled horribly with battling with taking my own life. And why I wrote this book, when I wrote this book, I said, if this book could just save one other pastor's life, then my mission has been accomplished in publishing this book. To this day, there's been close to 10 pastors that I've been able to be instrumental in having them not do what I wanted to do. And to this day, they're all still in ministry. And so Amazing. I wrote this book for that purpose. It wasn't, to, it wasn't to wear my hurts on the sleeve or on the shoulder. It wasn't to try to down somebody else's actions. It was to save another person's life. And all I wanted was to help save one person's life. But it's been close. It's been nine people now that I've been able to just talk into that they could continue on that's amazing and then your second book how did that come about the second book was more like a victorious book because the first <laughs> book was kind of like whoa that's kind of heavy man it's like whoa i can't believe that uh this pastor went through that i can't believe that he felt like that you know it was pretty it was a dark book at least the first four chapters was pretty dark 
And so while I was writing the first one, I already had in mind that there's going to be a sequel and the sequel was going to be more victorious, more positive, more encouraging. And so when I wrote to be continued, see, it went from discontinued to be continued. That yeah. book was going to not even touch at all on my past experiences, but it was going to be a total 100% encouraging book telling people that if I could go on, they could go on. That's awesome. Um, so I want to leeway into another song, but before I get into the other song, I kind of want to give you a little backstory about it. So the song is by The Walls Group. It's called Satisfied. So for me in 2020, uh, I felt like it was a, 2020 was a good year for me. Like I know a lot of people have had struggles and they've experienced a lot and that wasn't my my story that wasn't my testimony I don't know him um but for me it like the beginning of it right before COVID um I was struggling so bad internally and it was um I don't want to put his business on the podcast (laughs) but um Jerry stayed with me for a little while and um, I was telling him just the other day, I was like, like, you needed somewhere to stay for that short period of time. But I don't think that you were here because you needed somewhere to stay. I think that you were here. It was for me. Like I needed, wow. I needed wow. it. Um, and it, I, he invited me. And it's so weird because this backstory with Jerry and I, I um, remember meeting him like two, three years prior. And he'd always say hi to me, wave. And I would just be like, okay, this is weird, you know, at work. (laughs) And so finally I woke up one morning and I swear that, and people always say like, oh, God spoke to them. But I I felt it like I didn't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody's experience is different. But for me, I I just woke up feeling like God told me that I'm supposed to be friends with this dude. And I didn't know anything about him at all. Um, and so I remember going to work and I was telling my friend Gladys, I'm like, Gladys, we need to go find that Jerry kid. And she's like, wow, is he going to think this is crazy? But God telling me that we're supposed to be friend, friends. So she's like, okay, so we go search for him, meet him and everything. And it wasn't until like months later that I found out that he was like really involved in his church and the community and everything. And I'm like, oh, well, then it was God speaking to me. Like it was kind of like a confirmation, like, like it could be a coincidence, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe too highly in coincidences. Um, so fast forward, he never really mentioned, he never tried to invite me, he never did anything to try to get me to go to church. But when he was staying here, he invited me and I was just like, I was struggling with myself because I knew that I was I needed to do something different in my life. Like I didn't know what it was, but something was calling me to change like the way I was operating. And he left for the day and I was like, well, hopefully he doesn't message me because if he messages me, I'm going to have to go. (laughs) And I was like praying, like not praying, but I was just saying like, hopefully he doesn't hit me up. So he hits me up and I was like, dang it, I got to go. And it was just so (laughs) awkward because like I had after like my personal church had like the situation that happened there and I stopped going, like I had a nasty taste in my mouth for church. So I'm like, I'm cool with going to church, but this seems like it's going to be like more intimate with people. And I don't want to deal with that because I don't want to get hurt again or whatever the case is. So I was right, right. so far like pushing it away, but I'm like, okay, I'll go. And then when I actually went and I met everybody, I'm just like, it reminded me of like the good times that I had when I was going to church. Like I didn't feel negative or anything negative at all. And I like forgot about what, I don't know, in a sense, I forgot about how God was. I forgot how he worked. Um, It had been so long, I literally just forgot. Um, So come, that was in January, come the end of February, beginning of March, like I knew that something had to change. This is right before COVID. 
And I was just going in my head and I was like internally struggling. And then I remember I heard this song by that I'm gonna play by the Wazgoo called Satisfied. And it like put so much perspective because I was so worried in a sense about like, um, am I satisfied? Like, is, is God gonna let me down or is something if I do this, is this is gonna happen? And it didn't like in the song, I, I'm like listening and I'm like, dang, like, wait a minute. I'm so worried about how God's gonna do me or how these people are gonna treat me, but am I doing the right thing in God's eyes? Like I, I not I wasn't thinking like that. I was yeah, you know, only yeah. thinking the opposite way, like, you know, very selfishly in a sense. Um, so I'm going to play the song that's called Satisfied. And it just made me think that like, okay, well, like, yeah, uh, am I satisfied with God? But more so is God satisfied with how I'm living my life and what I'm doing. But here's uh, the Walls group, Satisfied. If I never get that satisfied by the walls group if you listen like to it. the song more of the song at the end they flip it and say like god like after everything i've done are you satisfied with me um so my question in regards to being satisfied like how how do you put yourself in a position to know that you're on the right path or that you're on the right track in in your eyes and in god's eyes by not comparing myself to other people by not envying what other people have and I don't. I'm satisfied with what God has issued me. And if it's perfect health, I'm satisfied with that. If it's a thorn in my flesh, I'm satisfied with that, you know, because I try to look beyond where I'm at today. What makes me satisfied is where I'm going to be tomorrow. And when I say where I'm going to be tomorrow, I'm talking about eternal life. That's what brings me satisfaction. And do I pursue an abundant life here on earth? I do. But when I don't achieve what I feel I want to achieve, I don't get down on myself because of that, because I know where I'm going and what I'm going to eventually get. And it makes total sense. And it's good that you said compared. I feel like for me a lot, like um, when people would be at church and they'll hear the word and they'll cry. And I'm just like, 
it, to me, I'm like, well, mate, why am I not crying? Like, <laughs> and, and, and in a sense, I was comparing their relationship to God with my relationship with God, and they're not the same. Right, right. Yeah. But like at a younger age, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't realize that I felt like, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong or maybe, you know, and I struggled <laughs> with that. But that's just because, you know, like maybe that's solely because my, our relationships are different. I'm a different person. So of course, like, I'm not very, I'm, I'm sensitive to a certain extent, but, but I'm not, like, I'm not a crier. I'm not, that's not what I do. So when I see those things and I'm like, well, if I'm not crying, then that means that I'm not loving the Lord the way that I'm supposed to be. But at a young age, that's what I thought. I didn't tell nobody. That's what I was thinking, but that's just what I thought. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to fix something. I need to do something right. And even like all through high school, I was super into the church, never went to any parties, never smoked anything. To this day, I still have never smoked anything. Um, and I was thinking like, okay, if I go down the straight and narrow, then, you know, I'm going to feel what they feel. And that just wasn't, you know, one, one, <laughs> I didn't know what they felt. Like, I really didn't know what they felt. I just seen emotion. Um, and two, um, I'm, I'm different. Like, you know, and I just, I, I was a... Uh, emotionally not um, intelligent at that point in time in my life <laughs> yeah but also you know there's probably somebody else on the podcast right now that is saying I remember this kid at church and he never cried he was the strongest young man that I've ever seen and I, I asked myself how come I can't be as strong as he is you know that's it's true. like it's like the first song that you played about you know about the body belonging. about belonging it's like everybody has their place in the body you know and yeah. obviously you're probably the right arm in the body you know the strength and this you, you know it takes a lot for you to get emotional and sensitive and then there's other people who are just the funny bone you tap them anyway and, <laughs> and it just brings a whole bunch of emotion out of them yeah <laughs> but we're that's, all one body yeah that's so true um so my favorite question that I like to ask people and you may have an answer to this you may not um and I love hearing people's answers because um I feel that it kind of it kind of makes you think like, oh, this is like, so I'm just going to ask you the question that you understand. So my question is, um, if you had 10 minutes with God, what would be the one question you would ask? Wow, that is a very awesome question. Oh, gosh, I'm an analytical person. So I feel like asking you 10 questions in regards to that one question. <laughs> but like, if I had 10 <laughs> minutes with God, like here on earth or up in heaven, or, um, you know, uh, this very moment where you and I are talking, I, I would say, I, I would, I, I would just, the first answer that comes to my mind would be, what has my dad been doing? Mm. My dad has passed. So I would probably ask him, what has my dad been doing? What happened when he got there? Uh, how is he behaving? Is he as funny up there as he was here on earth? Uh, it would probably be about my father uh my father's uh new place in heaven since uh, he's left us here on earth that's amazing i've never heard anybody say anything about anybody that's already um gone <laughs> on um i i personally couldn't answer that question like someone put it back on me on one of the other podcasts and i was like oh what would my <laughs> like you know like I, i'm putting y'all on the spot y'all you're not supposed to put, put me on the spot this is not how this works <laughs> um um, and so I gave an answer and then like later on I thought about it and I'm like that's not what I would ask like you know like <laughs> um and and then on another podcast I gave an answer and I'm thinking now like that's not what I would ask either like I honest to God really don't know what I would ask like I I have 
so many questions that like once I feel like I got there, most of the questions would not be important to me. In well, that, I'll tell in that you moment. one thing. I'll tell you one thing. That is one heavy question. I it love is. that question. I don't think anybody really probably thinks about that. That's yeah. I love the question. It yeah, because I'm like I would think like what happens after, but if I'm asking this question with God and it's and I have already passed on. I'm not, I wouldn't have to ask what happens next because I'm already there. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I'm not going to ask that. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, um, uh, I think that ultimately for me, I would want um, to know that, I, uh, that I've changed some lives. I feel like when, when I go on, God forbid that to be anytime soon. Um, but I, I would hope that I made an impression on people. And I feel that I have already or I know that I have, but I, I like, I feel like I asked my, my agents today, do they believe that um, hope is needed for the world to change? And a lot of them said, some said no, um, that I was telling them like, in a sense, hope is kind of like prayer where you pray, but like, depending on what you're praying for, you still need to put some type of action in. Okay. And then after that, there's faith. And you have to have faith that it goes up. Um, but I, I noticed that just with speaking with so many different people and having like real conversations about life that like nobody knows, like no one, nobody has the right answers. And I feel that, and I feel that we get so caught up sometimes with what we see on social media, especially now because social media is so heavy that we think that um, Beyonce is the greatest and I'm not going to shade Beyonce because I don't want my podcast to get taken down from the beehive. <laughs> but like, I look at certain celebrities and I'm just like, oh, they're not happy. Like you could just read it on their face and like, they have everything that they want in the world, but there's, they don't have happiness or they, you know, and I, that's just my perception of what I see from reading body language and stuff. Um, but in the song that I just played satisfied, it says, it states in there that like, if I never, got you know the house or this car this great job that like um will i still be satisfied with god how do you think that people can come in a place where like even if they don't get the thing that they prayed the most about and uh, that they can still be satisfied and even on top of that i think that there's a misconception with prayer <laughs> that if you don't get what you prayed for then therefore you the prayer wasn't answered when in reality that doesn't mean that the prayer wasn't answered you just didn't get the answer you wanted um so true so true um but what what would you say to these people like to to if someone came to you and was saying that they're they're not satisfied and they just want you know like they want this they want that like how what would you your approach be to them to make them see kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel i would ask them why do they want that because often the answer to the why is not even relevant. It's, it's a temporal want that people desire. But the reality is, um, go live in Indonesia for a year and see if you are satisfied with what you have in Oxnard, California. <laughs> go live in one of the islands in the Philippines. Go live in uh, Thailand somewhere. Go live in, in a communist country. And then let's talk about if you're satisfied with where you live at and what you have today. Um, you know, often uh, people don't people people don't even know why they want a Lamborghini. They think they know why, 
but drive it around for nine months and see what kind of trouble you get in, see what kind of consequences you get as a result of that. And then you'll realize, whoa, it wasn't a Lambo that was going to bring me my satisfaction. I'm happy with my Honda and the peace that I had. You know, I, I have some friends that have a lot of money. And uh, without saying any names, I was golfing at um, Sherwood, Sherwood Country Club uh, with a billionaire friend of mine. Not a multimillionaire, but a billionaire. And after we did 18 holes, we were about five hours on the course. Uh, we decided to just uh, have something to eat there at the clubhouse. And as we were talking, I remember, uh, you know, we were talking and he just stopped me and he looked at me in my eyes. It's just him and I. And he said, hey, Fernie, I wish I had everything that you had. And I was taken back. Like, whoa, this is a billionaire that is wishing he had what I had. Did he see what I drove up in? Did he, does he know, does he know my payroll? Does he know the house that I live in in comparison to the multiple houses that he has? And when I heard him ask a, a comment and, and make that statement, I realized I need to stop complaining with what I'm not satisfied about. And I need to appreciate what God has blessed me with. Like I said, if you have good health, that's good enough to be satisfied. We are so distracted with all these reality TV shows. We're so distracted, like you said, with social media. We're so distracted with the status of what these celebrities walk around with. But be satisfied with what you have yourself because God issued you that cup. And why didn't he give you a billion dollars? Because he knew you wouldn't be satisfied with a billion dollars. That's so funny that you say that. I always tell people like recently, I'm like, I know I wasn't born into money. And they're like, well, I was like, cause I wouldn't have appreciated it. Like, I, <laughs> like if I get money now, I would appreciate Cause I know like everything that I've gone through. But if I was, I know, myself well enough to know that if I had money I'd probably be a total douche to people <laughs> uh, if I was like born into money yeah and you know and and again not to downplay um having money because it's okay to have money I mean uh, God blesses as a matter of fact if you look at all the people in the Bible especially Old Testament from the very beginning from Abraham on all of those people were multi-millionaires in the Bible they were prosperous leaders prosperous owners they were prosperous um, businessmen, they had money. And I remember, uh, I'm not sure, have you ever heard of Tim Story? No. Okay, so. Tim Story is a world-renowned uh, life coach. He's a life coach to so many uh, celebrities. But uh, him and I are close friends. And I remember him telling me, he says, hey, don't you ever get it mixed up on uh, being rich? He says, um, he says, because uh, we always, always hear that scripture, that the love of money is the root of all evil. And so people get that scripture mixed up. They're like, oh, money's a curse. Money is an enemy. If you, you know, money's going to take you away from God. And, you know, they, they, they put a bad reputation on having a lot of money. But what he told me made a lot of sense. He says, do you know how much money God wants you to have? And I was like, no. And he says, all the money that you don't love. So it's okay to have a lot of money, but as long as you don't love the money more than you love God, it's okay to be a multimillionaire. That's awesome.
I do have a question. What would you say, two-part question, Was is the biggest misconception about pastors as well as what do you think the biggest misconception about yourself is? Um, I think the biggest misconception about pastors in general is people maybe are under the assumption that they live perfect lives. They're under the assumption uh, it's almost like a police officer or anybody who is walking around with a badge, then the you're expected not to break the law. And so with a pastor, if you're walking around with a badge that you are a pastor, people expect you not to sin. But the truth is we are all sinners. And so when a pastor sins, and I'm not saying like um, this great publicized fall of immorality and you know stuff that you hear about on TV that gives pastors a really bad name, but just say, um, um, I don't know, passing a red light or um, I don't know, um, I, I don't know, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe uh, not being honest on your taxes, um, things like that. Um, uh, people get shocked when they say, no way, that pastor lied. Um, no, I'm not condoning lying. I'm not condoning cheating on your tax taxes and I'm not condoning uh, sin. I'm just saying people get so shocked when they find out a pastor was not perfect. Yeah. For me personally, um, um, I think the, uh, the biggest uh, thing that people probably, uh, I think their expectations of me may be too high. They think that maybe I should return their call after the first minute they left a voicemail. But often they don't realize that me, or just say pastors in general, but I'm now answering the question with me, they often forget that, you know, I am a husband, I do have kids, I also do have other responsibilities, and they're not the only person who has, who has left a voicemail on my phone. And so often people think, whoa, how come he hasn't called me back yet? It's already been an hour, it's been two hours, he doesn't care. Um, they, they often forget that pastors do live a life with many responsibilities. When my nephew was young, my nephew, um, I, I was so honored because he was probably about seven years old. And he said, um, he said, uncle, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor just like you. And wow, man, man, I got so honored. I was like, whoa, I'm being a great example. I'm being a, I'm being a role model. And I said, why do you want to be a pastor like me? And he said, because you only work on Sundays. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, I, and I said to myself, only if he knew my work ethics. Every morning I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. Every morning I'm up at 3.30 a.m. and go to bed about 11 or 12 midnight uh, because not because I have to, but um, there's a passion in me. There's a drive. It's like, I, 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 I love waking up that early and uh, spending time with God and getting a lot of work done because at that time, nobody is calling you. Nobody's blowing up your phone. And so there's multiple responsibilities not just preaching on a Sunday. And that's the other thing. People say, well, all you do is preach on Sunday. They don't realize that it takes up to 20 to 30 hours to put together a sermon. 
you know, you just don't go up and shoot from the hip. I don't do that. Uh, to me, that would be not a good steward of the calling. Um, I study to show myself approved. That's what the scripture says. Study to show yourself approved. And so I don't take it lightly. I've been preaching since I was 18 years old. I'm 50 years old now. I've been preaching every week since I was 18 years old, two and three times, sometimes four times a week. This week I'm preaching four times. And so I don't say that a boast. I'm just saying that um, there's a lot of hours that go into doing the work of a pastor. And sometimes people think that you should only be there for them. But remember, they need to remember there's about a hundred others of them that want your attention. Yeah. So what, what made you, not, not what made you, but how did you know that this was your calling, like that you were supposed to do this at such a young age? You know, um, I was 16 years old when I walked into my church that I'm now the pastor of. When I walked into my church, there was another pastor there. I knew immediately when I sat down and heard my pastor preach at 16 years old, I heard him preach. I was so attracted to what he was doing. I wasn't attracted to the platform. I wasn't attracted to the attention. I was attracted that he actually was telling people that their lives could change. And I said to myself, that is how I would like to live the rest of my life, is being instrumental in helping transforming people's lives. So at 16 years old, the first time I heard my pastor preach is when I knew I wanted to do exactly what he was doing. That's amazing. I, um, I grew up in the church um, and I used to go to uh, Oxnard College or Ventura College and uh, share the, my faith in the world and try to get people to, you know, to come to church or just come to the events. And I realized up until this year, like I was, for me personally, like I got baptized at 13, but I felt like I was always doing it for others. And I feel like that's my, my life, like always, like I, I like going to church, but um, I felt like I was obligated. Um, so the joy that I had with it, it kind of diminished because I felt like I had to do that. And even when I was older, um, I was like one of the first ones that had a car. So I was driving and then I had to pick up some of the other leaders because they didn't have cars. And it was like my responsibility, like I got to go because they're counting on me. And I feel like that has led me into a life where um, <laughs> yeah. just with normal friends and friendships and people that like, I, I feel like uh, I do everything for somebody else. And it's easier for me to do something for somebody else than to actually do something for myself. So it wasn't until again, 2020, where I felt like I actually was doing something because I wanted to. Yeah, initially, I went to church with Jerry because <laughs> I felt like I had to. <laughs> um, but like after that, and with the old Zoom meetings and everything, like it was all because I wanted to go like, you know, and, and I felt like that was like the first time in such a long time that I was actually doing something for myself and because I wanted to. And even creating this whole platform with the podcast, like, I didn't think that I'd ever have a podcast. I didn't, it was not something that I wanted to do in a sense, but people were all like speaking like, oh, you'd be good at it. This would be something like you're calling. And I'm just like, eh, nah, it's not for me. And then finally I was like, you know, maybe they're right. Like, you know, clearly if enough people are saying something about me, then, uh, you know, they see something in me that yeah. maybe I need to recognize it and, you know, try it. So mm -hmm. I tried it out. And once I agreed to actually do it, 
Like it was so easy not to do it. Like I thought it was going to be so hard. I'm like, I got to get a mic and then I got a mic for free and a really good mic for free. And like just certain <laughs> things, I'm just like, oh, this is like, it's meant to be. Um, and, um, but what I will say is that like, I, I feel like I struggled so much with that because I never, never had uh, somebody in a sense to look up to. So being that you are uh, uh, a leader in your community and everything, do you ever feel like you um, are not burdened? That's not the word I want to use, but uh, that people put you on a pedestal and that you have to basically stick to what they think you are, not necessarily who you actually are. You know, I used to be that way for years. And I found out eventually, 25 years later, that that's not a happy way to live by living according to the expectations of others. And so it took me a long time to realize, and I don't say this with a bad attitude, but to realize that I don't care anymore what people think about me. I need to live my life. I need to be happy with who I am. And I am not a perfect person. You know, if I, if I lose it at a department store because it was bad customer service, um, I, I, I failed. But it, I'm not going to walk on eggshells throughout Sam's Club because I'm afraid to be me. I'm me. I'm not perfect. I, I, I lose it just like other people do at times. But I also I come back with an apology and I will go before God and get on my knees and repent and come clean with God. But uh, yes, for a lot of years, I'm like I'm walking around because you, you can imagine 30, 32 years in the city of Oxford, I've been in leadership and thousands of people have come through my church. And of course, they don't stay, but they've come through. And so they saw me, they seen me, they met me, they heard me, they know who I am. I'm not saying this to sound arrogant, it's just the truth. I'm not saying I'm this popular celebrity type of dude. I'm just saying the reality is 30 plus years in a church, thousands of people go through, they know who you are when they see you at Rite Aid, when they see you at Costco, when they see you at a red light, they know you. I may not know them, but they know you, they know me. And so I just came to my senses like, I'm not going to live my life to satisfy everybody else. My wife is first. My kids is first. Um, and also, um, um, I'm first also. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so, uh, we're commanded to love ourselves. And so, I had to learn how to love myself in order to be happy in what I do. And so, yeah. How did you get there? Like, by loving yourself? Uh -huh. You know, I got there over years and I got there when I was sick and tired of realizing I'm not going to please everybody. That makes sense. And I had the, the realization just this past year and I was saying that about loving myself, like I felt that I love myself because I'm a very confident person, but my actions showed that I, by me uh, putting myself last and putting other people's first. And I feel like there's also a misconception with uh, when you put yourself first, that you're being selfish when sometimes being selfish is healthy. Um, and I didn't see that at that time. And it wasn't until I uh, read a blog that I had wrote um, like two years earlier. And I was like, wow, I'm still in the same spot. And I thought I had grown. I thought I had changed. And it's just like, um, there's a song by K. Michelle and it's called, um, God, I get it. And I kept 
hearing that song and I'm just like, okay, God, I get it. But clearly I didn't get it because I kept going through the exact same things uh-huh. um, and repeating the same cycle. Um, and I felt that where I feel that God has put the same type of people in my life because I wasn't learning. Like I might've yeah. left that relationship, but I find somebody else that's just like this other person and I'm still continuing the same type of patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And you uh, know, that's why God gave us, gave the Sabbath. You know, a lot of people think, okay, that day is to go worship God. It is, but it's, it, 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 it also is to take a day of rest and because we're constantly working for other people, we're working on other things that Sabbath, that day is for God, but then you rest. And that's where you spend time and take time for yourself. And so it's very important. You do got to put yourself, you got to balance yourself and other people. And most, a lot of leaders don't know how to balance that because they get addicted to results. They get addicted to fruit. They get addicted to success. They get, they get addicted to the tangible and so they're grinding, 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 grinding. And then next, you know, 20 years later, they're having nervous breakdowns because they never took a minute for their own well-being. That's so true. That's deep. I'm going to play the last song before I let you go. Okay. It's by Corin Hawthorne, and it's called Speak to mm, Me. I love that song. You know it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing feels better than to know you And nothing's more important than to show you Then nothing comes close to what the vibe is Nothing's more exciting than the time spent with you No one but you can love me true How you love me when you love me And you tell me everything is gonna be alright yeah. And you mean the world to me you are my everything And I never, no, never, never ever wanna know what it's like without you I wanna wake up to you every day I think I feel like this forever As long as we're together, wanna know you each and every way I promise to be honest when I speak to you Wanna put you at the top of my list Wanna walk in like I talk it, wanna give you everything Please tell me that you're rocking with this You know all the like it when it's just us talking And you don't hold it against me That you don't really need me for nothing But I need you for everything Okay, that's that mm. song again. I love that song. It's Corin. Yeah, her, her voice is amazing. Yes. So my question, one of my last questions that I wanted to ask you, because I know that there's a lot of people out there that may want to speak to God, but they really don't know how to do that, whether it be with prayer or just even speaking to God, what would you say um, to them? Like, how would they start? Don't be moved by religious prayers. Um, depending how you grew up in your life with um, a religious background, a lot of, often people think that there's a certain way to pray, that there is a script to pray. A lot of people get confused with the Our Father who art in heaven, how would be thy name? They get confused with Hail Mary, full of grace. They get confused with all of these ritual prayers. And the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Prayer, um, that's not a prayer to pray every day out of ritual and out of habit and out of religion. It was just a prayer at that moment 
that Jesus gave to his disciples. And so to answer the question, how to pray is very, very easy. You pray to God the same way uh, you talk to anybody else. The only difference is you may feel weird at first because you're not going to hear God talk back to you. And that's the other thing is people think that when they pray, God is actually going to speak to them audibly. And that's a big misconception. It's very rare that God will speak to anybody audibly. It's always in your inmost being. And basically, for people who don't understand what that is, the best word I can use is through your intuition, through your gut, you know, um, but not audibly, not audibly. And so how do you do it? Hey, you don't even have to be on your knees. You could be standing up. You could be in your car. You could be jogging. You could be walking. I pray to God when I'm riding my Harley Davidson. Um, I, I, I take advantage of every opportunity I have to pray. I pray when I'm in the shower. I pray when I'm working out. I pray when I'm in my office and I pray before I go to sleep. I pray right before I preach. I pray without ceasing. That means sometimes I don't even open my mouth. The inside of me, my spirit is just praying and people don't even realize I'm praying. There's so many different ways, but there's not a right way or wrong way. That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Before I let you go, is there anything that you want to say to the people where they can find you or anything you want to promote? Yeah. um, If they're interested in either of my books, they could go to Amazon and just uh, type in discontinued. And of course, there are uh, decimals, D-I-S dot C-O-N dot continued. And the same thing with to be continued, to dot B dot continued. And uh, if it don't come up, have them type in my name, Fernando E. Franco Sr. If they're interested in getting any type of life coaching, they can go to my website, FernandoEFrancoSenior.com. And uh, by the way, in April, I do have a uh, three-day transformational camp coming up. And uh, the title of that is Deactivate Your Stress Circuit, How to Get Rid of Stress and Not Ever Live With It Again. And so uh, check me out at Fernando E. Franco Sr. if you're interested in that. But uh, Terrell, I want to say thank you. Keep up the great work. You are being used. And uh, man, do your calling, man. Do your calling. Everybody else who's listening, keep your head up. Just remember this, okay? Um, God loves you no matter what. And you may say, how can he love somebody like me? Well, if he loved the people who killed him the day that he died on the cross, don't you ever think that he don't love you? That's amazing. Well, again, thank you again. It was my honor and pleasure to have you on. And I hope to have you on again soon. Great. Looking forward to it. Thank you. And that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed yourself on this episode of Create Your Own Story with Terrell Garnett. We'll catch you next time.